2: It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going
0: to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to The Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, February 15th. This is episode 402. My name is Dan Ellis and I'm joined by two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Taylor Grin. Uh, hey, hey. And Mr. Ryan Duffy. Back, oh, that fucking guy's still here.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ
0: man oh man uh i i the my only update for the last week is that i'm i put in way too many hours at work and i work a lot and i read things on the toilet in between working a lot and i try to keep up with stuff uh but i'm i'm falling behind everywhere so what's new with you guys let's start with you uh ryan well i mean i've been doing my my same
2: stuff i uh I did put out a new video of me doing some woodworking stuff, making puzzles. Oh yeah. Uh, But I also, I also, I also think it's funny that, uh,
0: Trump has a competitor now. Well, a competitor in what? Like world's biggest asshole. Like he's got competitors in different, different arenas for sure.
2: Well, I, I, I think she's competing in that as well. Uh, but for president,
0: you talking about Nikki Haley, his,
2: his, golden daughter nikki haley gross yeah the one he he picked and she's she's going to run on her foreign policy stuff where trump basically put her as the un ambassador which he was trying to derail the whole time
0: nikki haley bothers me lady for so many different reasons but the most petty of reasons that she bothers me is that her mouth is like shaped upside down like a curves down and then she never moves her jaw when she speaks her teeth are always like a quarter inch apart and she never moves her jaw at all she just moves her lips and tongue around everything I,
1: I hated Joe Manchin so fucking much not just because of his policies but all I wanted to do was just grab each side of his face and just yank his fucking jaw open because he did the same thing
0: just roll down his throat once as one of those yeah, I guess, things, uh, or gold. I guess. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that like I've had a, I've had my jaw dislocated before and like, I couldn't open my mouth any more than about a half inch for months. And it was, it was literally driving me insane. I had, I not been able to fix it through, I had a, I went to an oral surgeon to move some things around. Had that not happened, I I would have gone in. I wouldn't be here today. Like I was losing my fucking mind because it was, it was constant mm-hmm. yeah. deep, deep pain and I couldn't open my mind. It was just, it was torturous for months and yeah, I was, I was slowly going insane for sure.
2: Well, yeah. a, a funny thing about her running for office now though, is so when Sarah did journalism for quite a long time uh, and she did journalism in that area, And one of the people she used to work with or was friends with uh, did not like a hit piece, but she did a piece on her, how she was being like fraudulent in office. And there's like waste and money abuse. And apparently one of the people involved actually pled guilty to it.
0: So you say in that area. he
2: was asked about it.
0: Are you talking about like geographic area or like politics?
2: Oh yeah, in that state when she was governor. Okay. Well, she, at the time it was for a local newspaper that she worked for, but now she works uh, pro publica. But uh, uh, at the time, the then governor referred to her as, well, that little girl kind of demeaning the reporter and putting her down. And now that reporter Gross. works for a national news organization called ProPublica. So we're kind of hoping that that comes back to light. Like, oh, remember when you're so demeaning to me on my investigation piece on you and people in your office who uh, pled guilty to uh, you know, like fraud, waste and abuse? Mm -hmm. And I was just some little girl. So I I hope that comes back to bite her in the ass.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean like the Capitol architect who was recently removed from his job because of all kinds of fraud, waste, and abuse? Because Because Trump knows all the best people. Government
2: car to drive around and take on vacation. And he wasn't even a fucking architect. And he was there to make sure the architecture of the White House was all good
0: to go. (laughs) Of the Capitol complex, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How many yeah, people in yeah. Trump's administration have been drummed out of their seat because of fraud, waste, and abuse, because of gross miscompetence, gross ineptitude, gross assholishness, just gross overall. But Trump knows all the best people.
1: Oh, dude. His, yeah. his entire cabinet was corruption on like Roman scale.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. But also, don't forget the reason why they attack Hunter Biden for working for Barisma is because we don't think he had the qualifications to work for Barisma. <laughs> While Trump hires people who have no qualifications, whatsoever fucking uh, ever.
1: Often they had anti-qualifications. Yes, uh, like Betsy DeVos, who thought the Department of Education shouldn't exist, being put in charge of the Department of Education,
2: and that they should all go to to privately ran schools like the ones she owned. I know avocado. They're bastards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> scream it, avocado. Scream it. You were saying, Taylor.
1: Yeah, quieter. I'll stick the up dog on you, avocado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, no, what what was I saying? What was, what was I saying? I had a thought, and it's it's gone.
2: Yeah, I was trying Sorry. to I was trying to bring it back to you. I was trying to bring your thought back to you. Uh,
1: no, no, it's 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 I, I, gone. I'm. It's late for me.
2: I don't know if it'd be along these lines that while right now the Republicans are trying to investigate Hunter Biden for working for a company and saying that mm-hmm. they got rich off their name. But at the same time, they're not investigating Kushner for taking fucking billions of dollars from the Saudis and making a sweetheart deal for them while they were in office. Mm-hmm. That doesn't no, whatever investigated. It was, it was
1: more related to your thing. I do have a, a mini rant um, about libertarianism and uh, the Ohio uh, oh. incidents that yeah. occurred yeah we let's could do that, that. On either side of the break
0: you pick let's do it
1: now no dan picks <laughs> let's do it now
0: let's do it now i fucking
1: yeah okay i'm, I'm all down for up. hearing
0: a rant about libertarians for sure so um a major train derailment happened
1: in uh Ohio. yeah yeah well so okay so one of the things i anticipate seeing a lot on social media in the near future because it always fucking happens um there was a major derailment um, of a train in Ohio that has leached like a toxic chemical into the water and the air, and the pictures from space are fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, where it's like Earth has a black spot right now. Um, so basically, like what I've started to see and expect to see more of is people saying, Look, this is you know, the government can't keep anything safe. They're covering it up, they're yada yada yada. Um, and the thing to keep in mind with this whole situation with the Ohio train derailing is that the Obama administration had passed a regulation that required a certain amount of inspection for trains, specifically as they were approaching and leaving city centers, so that if any sort of derailment or crash or explosion or anything like that happened, it would be far more likely to happen far the fuck away from people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Trump administration repealed that law or that regulation. And you can find, you know, there's, there's, memes of that all over the internet. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have it on hand, but like they're there. Go find it. Um, but it was Trump who repealed that regulation. Um, furthermore, it is the private company that decided yes. to cut corners to cut costs when that regulation was repealed, knowing that the regulation existed in the first place in order to prevent unnecessary deaths, right? And the company said, "Ah, well, you know, we know that some more people will be harmed if, you know, the, the thing that this regulation tries to stop happens, uh, but we're going to cut those corners and, and deal with that when that, you know, train gets that station, right? So it happened and, you know, a whole bunch of harm is being done to people and it wouldn't have happened if we had, frankly, better government, more Government. The answer to that problem is not libertarianism because here's the thing, left or right libertarianism, the only solution to a situation like the one that we're in is for harmed parties to go after them in lawsuits, right? Whereas regulation can stop harm before it happens. The solutions to this problem was years ago, requiring more inspections, requiring higher materiel uh, standards that the trains use for their construction, which, yeah, cost more money in the, the short run. But in the long run, you save on the cleanup of giant ass fucking spills like mm-hmm. this. Um, I, but the, I, yeah, go
2: ahead. Sorry. Well, to say, I've been saying it at work a lot that I, I, I would like to see a push for rail to be taken because the the rules and regulations they have to follow are regulated by the federal government. But mm-hmm. the people who actually operate on the rails are privately owned for profit businesses. Mm-hmm. I would like to see them gone. Mm. and take rail 100% federal. Okay. That way the workers will get the benefits they need. Mm-hmm. The federal government isn't worried about the profit margins on rail so that they're they're less likely to cut the same kind of... They're still going to cut certain corners, mm-hmm. but not the same corners that a, f- a for-profit business would cut.
1: Right, right. Because it's not corners cut for profit. It's more of corners cut There's for cut like...
2: For time or like you know budget restrictions or whatever which if they can get a good enough budget they could run it appropriately and also being that it's right now ran by for-profit companies the amount of money they're charging for rail to be ran Mm -hmm. could be brought down if it was ran by the government not worried about making a profit on it so our cost of goods to be shipped cross-country and materials chemicals everything else could be brought down by the government taking over right. the operation
1: of rails. Um, and and there was a fairly recent episode that may be the most recent episode, but probably not by the time this goes to air um, of Ezra Klein show. And uh, they talk about, he he brings on an expert. They talk about problems in regulation and regulatory agencies in that it has been highly legalized. And Republicans have created so many hoops that regulators have to jump through in terms of like public commentary periods and um, like the amount of research and time that needs to happen between uh, developing a regulation and when it can actually be incepted Mm -hmm. all that jazz that makes um, the regulatory industry highly legalistic instead of just being predominantly composed of by experts in the field, you know? So for every lawyer that you have to hire to make sure that your office is compliant, that's funding that can't go towards like an engineer who would be doing what the office does. Or, um, you know,
2: data-driven research that says, hey, we have an right. issue in this sector. We need to fix this mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And like, and when I say
1: compliant, be- I don't mean like like compliant with the thing that they are trying to regulate, but compliant with like, you must fill out form 15 a dash five, you know, three months prior to like that kind of bullshit.
2: Where I'd Um, rather see compliance of the amount of product they're allowed to carry per rail, the type of material that it must be built out of because, you know, inspection times, how often the rail needs to be inspected. Uh, Because if they don't have to inspect it, they're not going to spend the money to inspect it. And Obviously this, this recent derailment was due to poor inspection of the actual track that they knew was bad.
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where, well, it's just one, another one of those things where people bitch and whine about regulation until something like this happens. And it's like, okay, well, what is your proposed solution to fix this shit? I've seen Republicans all over the place complaining that Pete Buttigieg didn't stop this from happening. Okay, well, what is your fucking solution? You're, you're, on, you're on television whining about this thing that has happened. What do you think we should do to fix it? Other than just complaining that Pete Buttigieg didn't do his fucking job. What do you think his job is? What do you think he's going to do? Like hold the rail together like fucking Superman? Anytime he hears that there's a problem in transportation, he's going to fly there with a fucking cape and fix the problem? That's what regulation is for. And so when I hear Republicans going, droning on about how, oh, this is broken, and we spent how much? $1.8 trillion for this infrastructure plan, and this is still happening. Yeah, we passed that, but we haven't actually been able to spend those funds yet, in large part because your party are still trying to obstruct that shit. You're taking all the credit for it saying, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of funds coming. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But you're not actually fucking doing it. You're still standing in the way. Get the fuck out of the way. That's my little Mm -hmm. rant about it because I'm just fucking tired of them (laughs) bitching about it and then not offering any solution. If you're going to whine about it, give me a solution. You've got a problem with it. Okay, fine. What do you think we should do to fucking fix it? Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Instead of being like, well, why did the last guy deregulate all the industries? Can't (laughs) deregulate it and not expect shit to fucking keep operating the way it was when you're telling them do less safety, do less. Just do whatever the fuck you want and expect them to do it like the libertarians think they will Mm -hmm. because they're not going to. Mm -hmm. Safety isn't their first thought. Safety is money.
1: They're, They're only the only mechanism that exists within a libertarian system um, is after the fact, uh, uh, like seeking reparations, they cannot properly regulate before things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's not like even strictly necessary in like the rawest form of libertarianism, but like the contemporary left and right libertarian, those libertarianisms that exist now, like cannot do that.
2: And then my my worst fear for that area, that town, um, it's four. Th- I, I think the number I saw was about four thousand people live there. It's not big, but it still fucking matters. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a, a like they're letting them back into their homes, mm-hmm.
1: but that is
2: a chemical waste site. Yeah, that is a site that like if it was a military base, it would never be allowed to shut down because you can't allow people ever to enter that area because it is so. F- fucking contaminated now
0: it's so toxic yeah
2: but they're yeah like they're like they're telling them yeah the waters are at safe levels like flint safe levels uh they didn't say that uh (laughs) but just drink bottled water to be safe like that signals the water isn't safe to drink
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you're not gonna die today but 10 years from now you're gonna have a nasty tumor growing off you somewhere weird Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah and the and so, corporate America doesn't fucking care. I mean, they look at the bottom line and it's how much is this accident going to cost us? Well, it's not going to cost us as much as we've yeah. earned shipping this shit all over the country for God knows how long and how often and in, in what locations. We're just doing it and then if something happens, well then we'll pay Whatever pittance we have to to try to satisfy the little plebes in the area who may have been harmed by this, and in the meantime we're still raking in millions or billions of dollars for it, so we don't really care.
2: Oh yeah, I, I think I saw that that railroad company uh, they profit about uh, or their their value was fifty five billion. Or can't remember if that was their profits or what their uh, Norfolk uh, Southern their, their, the, the evaluation
0: of that rail line was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, they just they don't care. And even when shit like this happens, because our regulations have not kept up with the pricing structure for how much profit is involved in putting people's lives in danger, they'll get hit with a fine of like one hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars and be an extravagant fine of a million dollars. And to this company, that's like, okay, well, let me check my couch cushions because I think I've got that. Like they don't fucking care because it's, it has no effect yeah, on their actually, bottom line. And until we change that look, and make regulations a lot more strict, they're not going to change their standard of operation. They don't care about their employees. They don't care about the people in the surrounding area. They care about the bottom line. They care about making money. That's it. And until yeah. we can do yeah, so, something to but, affect their their ability to do that, they're not going to change.
2: Yeah, so th- this this company that I had seen other reports saying they're worth about $55 billion, Uh they are Norfolk Southern, the company that operated the train, said Wednesday it was creating a $1 million charitable fund
0: to help support East Palestine. <laughs> a charitable fund. How fucking magnanimous of them. Yeah. What good people they are. A charitable a, fund.
2: A tax break. They set up a tax break for themselves.
0: Yeah. We, we've caused this huge fucking problem. We've put people's lives in danger. We've probably reduced their lifespan for all of the occupants in this area. So let's set up a tax haven for ourselves, and then say that we're going to be charitable and help these poor affected people who yeah. now will, you know, suffer adverse consequences due to our actions. We're we're so sorry, but we're going to show you some charity here. Fuck all of that. Yeah. That.
2: That that one that one million dollar charitable fund will probably cover five people's in that community's uh, long term cancer until they die.
1: Yeah, that's great. Due to our health system. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. It's, uh, it's oh, the- you know what? And, and and one more thing. One more thing in the appendix, right? Um, if you remember from Schoolhouse Rock, uh, <laughs> the house has the power of the purse. And one of the things that could happen in the house immediately is for committees to be put together to determine what and where the fault was and for legislation to be passed that would provide a fund immediately to help out these people and ensure that they could get access to clean water and air and like hotels or some shit if they needed it. And then seek after legislation that would, you know, repatriate that cost from the company that did it and introduce new regulation to prevent this from happening again in the future. But it's Republicans in the house (laughs) and they're doing none of that. Instead, they're doing committee hearing on uh, Twitter and why they got blocked. Last I checked is not an Uh, employee of the federal government uh, and his laptop that was stolen and what Major news oh. organizations have asserted that it's probably a, a Russian op. Why so are I'll, these leftists no, so stopping
0: me from li- looking at pictures
2: of Hunter Biden's dick? And that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, I loved it when they, the Twitter people were in that hearing. They're like, well, we didn't want to. like This had nothing to do with the laptop. Like That was out. That was on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was the dick pics of Hunter Biden that we didn't want to be allowed to be put on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's
1: what we blocked. Yeah. yeah, we we so we. So you're
2: mad we didn't put out dick pics.
1: Yeah. We followed our policy on revenge porn. Next,
2: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, they. I, I watched a whole bunch of stuff on that hearing, and Republicans got their ass handed to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. not at all fun to watch. It it's been interesting because Republicans. It's like all they do. They're the party of grievances. That's that's like their. Sole reason for existing these days is to whine about how they've been made a victim somehow by these powerful yeah. Democrats and leftists who also have no power at all because they're so weak. Like it's just, there's, I get so fucking tired of it. All yeah. of the surrounding drama and bullshit around all of it. Like, oh, we're going to have hearings about why Lauren bobert's Twitter account was suspended. Sure, there's. Yeah. You know, and that's people running wild in the streets, killing each other all over the place, and train cars derailing, and bridges collapsing, and pot sinkholes opening up everywhere, and China sending balloons over our place. But I want to know why my Twitter account was blocked, you fuckers. Bullshit. It's a bunch of fucking bullshit that's time pretty much wasting. That's what I got out of the whole thing. Yeah.
2: Well, we're going to talk. When it wasn't her asking the question. It was like, why was her Twitter blocked?
0: Uh huh. You guys, you guys want to talk about some Christian okay, nationalism and white nationalism, and they're pretty much synonymous uh... at this point. Let's do that when we get let's back. Go for it in just a minute. Hey, everybody, it's X from the Utah Outcasts podcast
1: and YouTube channel, and you're listening to the Godless Revolution.
2: Why would you tell the children to overcharge for the candy? It's called an incentive. It's why even after all the kids knew the Ava Coleman method, my group is still out selling yours like three to one. What have they been doing with the extra money? Whatever they want. It's their commission. Have you never worked retail? I have been retelling the principles of the Bible my entire life. And that is why I am livid that you are teaching these children to steal. Steal? Okay, hold on now. Henry got caught overcharging Sister Sloth, and I was humiliated in front of my coworkers in Christ. Didn't that woman steal from your church? That is beside the point. I don't know that it is.
0: Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Welcome back, everybody. I... I'm excited because we're going to talk about Christian nationalism uh, a little bit. It was interesting because I had a a friend on Facebook who shared an article from the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, It is an op-ed with the title being LDS Support for Christian Nationalism Should Raise the Alarm. Subtitle is Christian Nationalism is a Danger to Religious Freedom and the Constitution. And in this article, they talk about that nearly four in ten Latter day Saints or, you know, Mormons are uh-huh. white nationalists. And my Facebook mm. friend who shared this is a very prominent uh, Mormon scholar, uh, Mormon studyist, somebody who pays particular attention to the LDS faith and is nominally still a member of that faith, though I think that's questionable. Anyway, yeah. Uh, hasn't been kicked out yet <laughs> they, yeah yeah hasn't hasn't been officially disinvited to to participate to participate in their little temple ceremonies um but when they shared this i commented and just said you know the the lds people who are christian nationalists are in for a rude fucking awakening if christian nationalism ever takes over in the us because most christians don't view the mormons as christians yeah They're heretics, because a lot of the things that Mormons believe, theologically speaking, and a lot of the things that the LDS Church teaches as their theological precepts are fucking wacky and wild compared to the regular wacky and wild of of Christianity. Mm -hmm. But this article talks about how, yes, indeed, Mormons are one of the largest groups of people who as far as religious people go, are all in for white nationalism, her Christian nationalism. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Slight difference. Um, and there's uh, there's been some good literature on that. Uh, a friend of the show, Andrew Seidel has, uh, has done some stuff on that. A, a fantastic book that breaks down the actual data um, that this previous or previous versions of this survey have done um, is called taking back America for God, uh, Christian nationalism in the United States. Uh, which is written by sociologist Andrew Whitehead and Sam Perry. Um, they're part of like, like if you think back to the um, four horsemen of the atheism mu- movement, I would say that like uh, Kathleen Bellew, uh, Sam Perry and Andrew Whitehead, Andrew Seidel and like uh, uh, Catherine Stewart are probably the four horse people of um, the horse like people. studying Christian nationalism in yeah. America. Like mm-hmm. those are the big names to read anything and everything that they publish. Um I would also say um uh hang on what's her name? Binkowski. Um oh my god why can't I think of her first name? Um starts with a B. Brooke Binkowski, but she mostly does journalistic articles um as opposed to long form books and that kind of thing, but she covers a lot of the intersection of Christian nationalism and like foreign interference kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but no, this thing is, uh, honestly, this data is pretty fucking scary. Um, for example, only 18% of Christian nationalism supporters have a four year college degree. Um, they are the kind of people who think that America should be a Christian nation. Um, they are significant. Where, where was that data that you and I, Ryan, were talking about before we broke back into the show? Um, something like four in ten Americans believes the following statement is true: that white folks experience as much discrimination as black folks.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's,
1: that's amongst Christian nationalists or Christian nationalist like supporters, um, the number who agree with that statement is as high as 80%. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like I said, it's not technically white nationalism, but you know, smells similar. Really fucking
0: close. Yeah. I I got some
2: national numbers here. If you want me to go through them really quick on some questions that were posed and this was by the Brookings Institute and this was done. This was just released February 8th. Uh, So very recent. So in this, they have adherence to religion. Sympathizers mm-hmm. of religion, people who are skeptical of religion and rejectors of religion is how they classify the people. Mm. Uh, so the first question is: uh the US government should declare America a Christian nation. As a whole, only 10% of America agrees, uh, and 50% completely agree. And then between there, you got mostly agree or mostly disagree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with adherents of religion. You got 75 completely agree, 21% mostly agree, and only 3% mostly disagree. There is no completely Mm -hmm. disagree in that category.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting.
2: People who are sympathetic towards religion, 11% completely agree, 62% mostly agree, while 23% uh, mostly disagree, and 3% completely disagree. Now I'm not going to go through the rejectors on these because of the people who reject religion, they 100% disagree on all these questions. Well, of course, yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: should we? Yeah. You don't. You don't think but, religion's a good thing, but should we honor it anyway and give it special yeah. privileges and rights here? Oh, but sure. But even the people who are skeptical, two
2: percent agree that America should be declared a Christian nation. That's how the skeptics.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and, and sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say there's, 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 there's what, one, two, three, there's four other questions they ask in there, but it pretty much follows the same numbers throughout it. And the other questions are, uh, should U S laws be based on Christian values or is U S moving away from our Christian foundation? Uh, we will not have a country anymore or bring Christian, uh, in being Christian is an important part of the true American value. And God has called Christians to exercise dominion over all areas of American society. And pretty much throughout all of it, they're pretty much all the same, except for is uh, is Chris is America moving away from their Christian foundation? There, the adherents got eighty-four percent to say yes, ten percent more.
1: I'm, I'm glad you got that more precise uh, data because I'm, I'm more relying on the coverage by the Religion News Service uh, yeah. article on that. One thing that made me really happy from it is that um, something like two out of every three Americans rejects Christian nationalism overall. So while it's got a huge amount of support amongst conservatives, um, not so much amongst everyone else, which is heartening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I'm a little bit concerned. I would say that if there's any book Um, God, I mean, I don't know how much time you guys have to read, right listeners, but, uh, (laughs) one of the huge books I would recommend is, uh, how civil wars start by Barbara F. Walters, um, or no Barbara F. Walter. Um, and one of the phenomena she describes as she does, as she looks at case studies of failed democracies where they had some sort of democratic backsliding or countries that had civil wars was that one of the most common traits that they all had shared traits was a previously existing demographic, typically either ethnic or religious, um, within a population which had a significant amount of prestige and privilege suddenly, like within a generation or two lost that relative prestige and privilege. Um, those were one of the biggest drivers of violence within their countries. And so one of the things for us to be concerned about is that as Christian nationalists see their own decline in power. Yeah. hmm It's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate um, to say it, but they have the numbers. Yeah. Well, and, and David Frum had a fantastic quote some time ago. I, I think actually when he was debating Steve Bannon. Um, He said, if conservatives um, believe that democracy doesn't want to be conservative anymore, they will not abandon conservatism. They will abandon democracy.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and and people are no longer, it's no longer the case that a person's religiosity or religious beliefs feed into their political beliefs. That's flipped. Because the Republicans allowed evangelicals into the tent and allowed them mm-hmm. to take over the party. And now that party is beholden to evangelicals. And so now what we're seeing is that conservatism is what is driving people's religious belief, not the opposite, mm-hmm. right? They're—, our, they're uh, n-
1: our, Oh, go, go ahead. Ahead. Sorry, my bad.
0: I, I was just going to say, they're, they're no longer strictly trying to adapt— and follow the teachings of Christ, they're following the teachings of Newt Gingrich and and Tucker Carlson and all of these other right-wing lunatics who are leading them down this path of Christian nationalism and might makes right. And we need to do what we can to suppress these people who are enjoying too many rights because we're all about small government somehow.
1: Our our good buddy of the show, uh, Barry Goldwater, you know, he said, don't let the religious camel get its nose in the tent of conservatism or they'll take it over.
0: Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: And listeners, by the way, if you're new um, or if you weren't listening back then, go back and listen to our multi-part series on Christian nationalism that we did, what, two years ago now? Jesus Christ time flies. (laughs) Um, Because we cover a lot of this stuff. We talk about how it started. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just, yeah, it's nuts to me that so many Christians in particular believe that their God is all powerful and has a plan for everything and they can see the way the world is headed. And instead of mm-hmm. their God stepping in to do things, they think that they need to take it into their own hands to defend their all powerful God, right? Has right. their, has their God commanded them somewhere to force people to believe as they do? I don't remember reading that anywhere in the book necessarily that, you know, if, if you don't hold the same religious beliefs that I personally hold as a Christian, then I'm going to force you to believe the same things that I do under threat of death mm-hmm. or, or great bodily yeah. harm. Yeah. Well, and that
1: was one place where I understand exactly the data they were trying to acquire and why, and the message that they wanted to convey but one of the questions in the like quick Christian nationalism survey was whether or not an individual believed that the values of Islam were antithetical to the values of America um, or incompatible with the values of America. And it's like, well, yeah, so do I. But also I think that the values of Christianity and any other like Abrahamic religion variant, most religions are incompatible with the idea of what America is supposed to be as envisioned by people like Thomas Jefferson and Paine. Yeah. So. Right. It's, yes.
0: It's, it's such a, it's such a small view of the world. It's such a narcissistic, self-centered view of the world that enables people to disregard the views of the rest of the people on the face of the planet and only focus on those people who are in their particular tiny little in-group, which is why, like I said, the the Mormon Christian nationalists are in for a huge fucking rude awakening oh, yeah. if that ever happens because they don't seem to understand that the rest of Christendom views them as heretics, that Mormons are fucking weird and believe in a bunch of fucking nonsense that is different from the, the nonsense that mainstream regular what regular Christianity believes and thinks and does. Mm-hmm. And well, in
2: bringing this article back to, to Mormons, only 10% of Mormons reject Christian nationalism. Um, are you 50%? sure about that? Well, according to this one, uh, it has, according to Latter-day Saints, uh, it has 5% are adherents, 33% are sympathizers who agree with it. Mm-hmm. Fifty percent are skeptical, while ten percent reject.
1: So that okay. would I mean so, Adam, like to look at that charitably, I mean, hang on, let me zoom in here. take I, I want to try and be as charitable as possible to that argument. thirty one percent of Jewish respondents were skeptical, so I don't yeah. think that we can describe skeptical as being pro-Christian nationalism. no,
2: no, that, that well, I'm not saying I'm saying skeptical and reject as being like, mm-hmm. I kind of don't agree with that, but I would say that adherent and those that that, that are also semi-agree with it, mm-hmm. being that with the Latter-day Saints, that equates to 38% of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where You get that like one third, pretty much of mm-hmm. them agree with on some way or another that Christian nationalism is a good thing.
1: Right. No, no, no. I, I don't disagree with you there. I'm just trying to yeah. steel man the, the other side. Um, okay. in that, in that, um, you know, if, if we're going to give credit, you know, to, uh, for example, to like the unaffiliated and Jewish and other non-Christian religious groups, which are almost identical in their, their feedback, right? Yeah. 54, 61, 61 rejecters, and then 34, 31, 31 skeptics for those three groups. Mm-hmm. um like we're taking for granted that that means that they overwhelmingly like don't get along with Christian nationalism yeah. at least let's give the the mormons credit that half of them are skeptical of the idea <laughs> you know half one out of every two mormons is skeptical of of Christian nationalism and i would call that a win um it's not great it's not great that 40% of of mormons are either adherents or sympathizers with um Christian nationalism, but that 50% are skeptical. um You know, that puts them right in line with that, that. That means that more of them are skeptical of it than black Protestants. Yeah. Let's, let's take that into account for a moment here.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's and, also disturbing uh, that black Protestants have at least 14% that totally agree with it.
1: Yeah. More than the Mormons. Like I'm just yeah. trying, like, like, come at me, you know, I'm sorry. Like I don't normally come to the defense of Mormons, but in this case, (laughs) you know, the data is not all
0: bad. Um, (laughs) Well, it it would be interesting. Like I I would like to compare this with historical data. Like have, Mm -hmm. is it, is it a historical fact that only 50% of LDS people believe that, they should resort to violence, if necessary, to to instill Christian values in people and to make well, America. On we're
1: going as far back as Brigham Young, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and to make America a, a Christian country. Or, you know, are, are those numbers trending up or down? And, I mean, just based on my own observances, I would say that those numbers are trending up. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have the historical data to back that up. Just That's just me. Yeah. You know, looking around well, at, at my fellow people here in Utah, going, y'all are losing your fucking minds. I don't know what the fuck is going I, on. I would say maybe you, maybe it's, it hasn't been trending
2: up, but we view it as trending up because people are allowed to be more vocal about those feelings
1: now. Well, and give me Trump. This is great for radio
0: because we've made America great again. Yeah, people so are you made America like people so are. It's, it's the, that much more free to be bigots.
2: It's the whole concept of like the, 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 the group mentality. Mm-hmm. You can have a bunch of people that believe something, but mm-hmm. when you, but they're not going to say it. But once one person starts saying it, then another one feels, okay, that guy already said it. So I can say it too. Now you have the whole group of those people that already believed it coming out, being more vocal about it, where mm-hmm. they might've been more closeted about that belief previously. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and, and this gets into, and so there's this, this ancient and in internet terms, uh, article, uh, on, and don't at me, I know less wrong, which is like a philosophy forum that would, there was probably one of the earlier predecessors of the, the, um, intellectual dark web. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if a good argument comes from a bad person, it's still a good argument. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, the article is called the evaporative cooling of group beliefs, and what it describes is um, it's oh shit! What was that book in the 1950s? I um, wasn't about a lot of It was the one um, that kind of discussed like people who left cults and who didn't leave cults. It's where like cognitive dissonance as a concept basically mm. came from. Anyway, it kind of elaborates and, and crystallizes that idea. Um, and what he discusses is how like um, when groups. Start to develop in an ideological direction. Um, so, for example, one example he gives is that there was a, a transhumanist social forum, right? And one of the writers in the social forum wrote like this screed directly attacking every single libertarian who was in that group. And so all of the libertarians left, right? Which meant that the only people remaining in the social group were typically left-leaning individuals. And in accordance with the thing that we discussed yesterday or yesterday, last week, right? (laughs) About the um, um, narcissism of small groups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They found yet another thing to start purity testing each other on. And increasingly, the people who had less and less reason to stick around with this group would leave, right? And the reason why it's called evaporative cooling, right? Is that in a boiling liquid, um, high energy state particles will tend to leave that liquid first, leaving lower energy state particles Mm -hmm. there, um, which are less and less likely to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same way with, uh, any sort of ideological group where the more that less extreme people leave, the more the people who remain get extreme. Um, and tying this all back to what we were talking about before, mormonism is hemorrhaging members right yeah um and and what i'm curious to see is that as the mormon religion is hemorrhaging members right does it follow this evaporative cooling of group beliefs model where the people who stay within mormonism are like the christian nationalist Mm. mormons right or does it end up being the people who, like the, the other kind of model of how religions go is they adapt or die, right? So they liberalize. Look at the, um, uh, what's the Anglican Church in America called? Um, the
2: American starts Ang- with, Anglican Church?
1: Uh, Episcopalians. That's the Epi- the, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say. Yeah, e- Episcopalians are like practically Unitarian. Oh, yeah, at this point. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like
0: Shout out to Purple Dragon <laughs> the, who comes from Episcopalian stock, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Um, One of my old college buddies, um, uh, I attended his wedding and it was an Episcopalian service and they're not particularly religious at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like, that's what Episcopalianism has done and it's survived, right? Being an Anglican religion, which is just Catholicism with British weirdness and hats. <laughs> um, so like, is that what happens with Mormonism, right? Do they become like, cool guy playing a guitar in church, (laughs) right? Jesus, or do they get more extreme, right? Do they go back in the Brigham Young direction? I don't have an answer for you, but I think that those are like the two models by which we can view that sort of difference. And so, you know, Ryan, when you're talking like, like it, I want to be respectful, but it almost sounds like you're questioning the data. And I actually think the fact that it's a 40%, 50% split is very indicative of like, Mormonism is on the edge of teetering into either the playing guitar at church Jesus or the like, you know, shows up wearing shields, right. And armor Jesus. Well,
2: I'm I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not questioning the data. Actually, I, if anything, I would think the data numbers are skewed lower than I would expect. Mm -hmm. Because I would expect the people that maybe the people that sit in the sympathizers or the, the skeptic region, might not be willing yet to come out and actually say it.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough. Um I don't have the skill set training in this particular field of surveying where I could like generate the appropriate questions that would actually nail down the data that you were trying to acquire. Yeah. Um. Well, so, like, they ask only what five, six questions of the the yeah. participants, right? Yeah. To determine their Christian nationalism, mm-hmm. whether or not those questions are refined enough, um, or or those could have been like something I can answer,
2: or it could have been like you know when they do a, a psychology test where there's mm-hmm. ten questions that are the same question but just words slightly mm-hmm. different, and then you add those together to see are you right. being truthful in your answers, are you being deceptive, are mm-hmm. you just all wishy washy, you just marking whatever. Well, um, so
1: there's there's that, but that's actually not quite what I'm saying um, because those are attempting to determine the individual's consistency, whereas yeah. what I'm looking at is the accuracy. Well, that's, um, Is that's the question I, interrogating the variable that it intends to interrogate? Yeah,
2: and that's where I don't know if, if they don't list the actual questions they asked
1: or if they only ask those yeah, five questions. No, uh, We haven't reviewed those, but it absolutely yeah. exists. Um, yeah, it, it, it does exist. Most studies will publish their questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I could find that if I looked at my library. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I might in between this episode and next.
2: But that's that's where, like, in my mind, I think a lot of psychology goes into whether they're answering truthfully or not. Mm-hmm. Because I think the people who are... I, I I guess I would go more for the people that sit in, like, that are sympathetic towards it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I would consider them to be on the fence of... On, like, like, yeah, I, I guess I can agree with that.
1: Where, <laughs> amongst friends, they might be like, "Oh no, I totally fucking agree with that." Well, and and this gets into um, like there are ways to beat that. Right. And, and for the, the period of time that Lindsay Osterman was on serious inquiries only, she was actually really good at addressing questions like this. Look, listening to the backlog of the studies that w- they went over together on that show will be very will be more informative of what I'm about to say than what I'm about to say. Um, but here's a Um So, for example, if you're trying to figure out if people are racist, right, you wouldn't put out a survey that says like, do you think that black people are lesser than white people? Right. What's your opinion? One through five rank the races, right? Um, That would not be the survey, but instead what they might do is present pictures, for example, of um, uh, people of the same ethnicity of the test taker and people of a different ethnicity of the test taker experiencing pain or, or, Presenting facial expressions that indicate imminent violence, right? And and then you can measure the reaction speed using mm-hmm. a high-speed camera of the individual's reaction of expressions like disgust or fear, yeah. etc. Um, and we have measured that those reaction speeds are different um, between people who look like us and people who don't. Yeah. So... Right.
2: Along that, I, I saw them do a study where they, they were basically looking at how quick someone would be to grab a gun to shoot someone. And they mm-hmm. were all like the mm-hmm. same exact situation, but if the person was someone of color. They mm-hmm. were quicker to go for the gun than if it wasn't someone of color. Which,
1: um, and that also went for people of color. Make us like it the was a cross board. As hell tangent as hell is why i still find one of the funniest things i've ever seen in a movie is when will smith shoots that girl in men in black and he says come on that guy's doing pull ups but this girl walking around at night with a book on yeah. quantum physics yeah. <laughs> <That ain't,
2: right? laughs> something's wrong there
0: uh-huh yeah
2: yeah that was a funny part in men in black she was told that, that little girl was totally
1: an alien she was up to something yeah yeah
2: Definitely a brother in the hood doing pull-ups on a light pole. That's fucking normal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That guy, he's sneezing. He's not snarling. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Lloyd Evans. I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. I'm the author of The Reluctant Apostate and Senior Editor of JWSurvey.org. And you are listening to The
2: Godless Revolution. I see you selling those Wonka bars. Let me hear your sales pitch. Do I have to? Yes, Bruce Banner in the middle of a transformation, you do. Excuse me, sir, ma'am, or otherwise identifying human. Sorry to interrupt your day. My school is raising money to see science. Would you consider buying a chocolate bar? Well, you couldn't sell a
1: scoff to Lenny Kravitz with that pitch.
2: Who taught you to sell like that? Mrs. Howard? Of course. She's still using the tactics of a man who could turn water into wine and still only had 12 friends. Now go put those pants on before I think of another <laughs> joke.
0: If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! So we are just about out of time, uh, but before we ended the episode, I wanted to mention really quickly... Uh, this story and we we only have like a couple minutes left um, about the oldest nearly complete Hebrew Bible oh. is heading to auction at Sotheby's and they are expecting it to fetch between 30 and 50 million dollars for this Fuck. book. I'll guarantee wow. you it'll go for more than 50. I'll, I'm calling it right now that it will go for more than 50. I would say it will be between 50 and 100 closer to a 100. Because people are weird about shit like this. Yeah. (laughs) But this book, I I learned quite a bit, actually, while reading uh, this article. I I found this on the New York Times, and I actually posted it to my Facebook timeline, if anybody is interested, uh, as a gift article so you can read the whole thing. Uh, This book comes from uh, 1,100 years ago. Okay. So nowhere near contemporary. Well, c- not contemporary to either Jesus's time or our time. Oh, you, yeah, <laughs> it's like right it. in the middle, right yeah. in the middle there. Um, mm, huh. But it's interesting too that that this book, God, they said it weighs like twenty something pounds, Holy and shit. that it is written on basically animal skins. They figure that at least a hundred oh. different animals died in the production to of this book of this codex. It- Thank do they use Jesus. the word vellum? Uh, I don't know if they used the word vellum or not. Okay. They did not. I just ran a quick search okay. for, for people right. who may have picked up on my computer yeah. going, bong, that does not exist in this article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. I'll, yeah. I'm going to look into that. I I find that kind of shit really cool. I like old books.
0: Oh, yeah. I do, too. I think it's really neat. It's it's neat, too. I, I picked up on a couple different things while reading this article. One of them... Uh, was that there are portions of the book where the pages have been stitched back together using hair or sinew.
1: Ah. That makes sense. Makes yeah. a lot of sense, yeah. Those things don't rot. Yeah. What slave hair was it, though?
0: Well, cool. I, <laughs> I don't know. But I thought it was kind of neat. And apparently this this entire codex was transcribed by a single transcriber in Hebrew. Uh, it is mm-hmm. missing just a little bit. I think. I think they said that it is missing part of Genesis. And one of the other things that I learned while reading this article is that the practice of taking bits of the Bible and and numbering them by chapter and verse is a mm-hmm. thing that is unique to Christianity. Christians mm-hmm. came along after the Hebrews, after the Jewish faith, and started mm-hmm. numbering. Uh, chapters and paragraphs so that they could reference them more easily. Okay. And that in huh. this particular collection of religious books that make up this codex, that there are notes in the margin for parts of this that should be taught to people like in synagogue, in tem- in temples mm. as part of their right, right. ritualistic observance of their faith. And like this part makes us look good. Yeah, you Don't should talk this about makes us look. Good. Yeah, you should talk about this for this reason because it's great. It was just, it was just really kind of a cool article. Like, you know, n- n- the three of us aren't religious at all. I'm definitely not religious, and I no. think the Bible's trash. But it's cool just but to hear some of this history. history. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to I hear it. Hi- yeah, yeah. just to hear the history of this book, how it how it came to be, where it's been, like its travels throughout time and history. It was all really fucking cool or shit to read. The fact that it's still around. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it was made out of gold, somebody would have just smelted that thing away a long time
0: ago.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or they would have just thrown a stone in a hat and said what it said on the stone, on the gold. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it said that, let me see, I'm, I'm scanning the article again here. It said that uh, Austin said a committee d- began discussing it two years ago considering the old record for the most expensive book ever sold, which was the Codex Leicester, a Leonardo da Vinci manuscript bought by Bill Gates in 1994 for $30.8 $30. Yep. $30. million. Fuck! Yep. And then mm-hmm. in November twenty twenty one came a new benchmark, the forty three point two million dollars paid by the investor Ken Griffin for a first printing of the United States Constitution. Was Jesus. it the
2: was it the junior? Ken Ken Griffith Jr. or just his dad?
0: I I don't think baseball we're talking player. baseball. I don't you know. know who Ken Griffith is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sports ball thing, Taylor. You wouldn't you wouldn't yeah, understand.
2: I was, I was making I was making jokes about the, the guys who whack balls with bats. Not the flying bats, but the wooden ones.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's Mm kind of cool too. They talked about that the uh, markings in this book you can trace ownership of this book back more than a thousand years. Uh, the like earl- what
2: royal family had it like, like, like the bookmarks you would find at the school library to see who checked it out before you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's says- a joke, Ryan. Beat me to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and it says that the earliest is a deed of sale from around 1,000 AD. And that bothers me that they used AD instead of yeah. BC or uh, uh, CE and and BCE. They used AD. They're,
1: they're describing an uh, ancient Bible. I think they're, yeah. they know their audience on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's cool. Like they they talk about the history of ownership and and where it's been like, and it's been around for more than a thousand years, this book. That's just, it's so fucking cool that this thing has existed for more than a thousand years and has been passed around and studied. And it's it's just, it's really fucking neat that something has lasted that long and that they can trace Mm -hmm. so much of its history just through the book itself. Yeah. Well,
1: and that's something. God, uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tighten this tangent as much as I physically can. <laughs> There's a really cool podcast called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, and one of the first pieces that they did was on this group of researchers that tries to um, hypothesize how we can do very, 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 very long term nuclear waste storage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because, like, consider storing nuclear waste for ten thousand years, and if human society collapses, but humans don't entirely die out. So 10,000 years from be now, they're bad. speaking languages we don't know. They don't have technology. They have no record that we existed. All of our books and buildings have turned to dust, but there is still a facility storing nuclear waste that we don't want them to get into. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine you're a primitive person. You find technology from some ancient Atlantis, and you think to yourself, if they lock this away, it must be super cool, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and then you see a picture, <laughs> and the picture shows you know, from, from left to right, for example, uh, a human who approaches the door and then drinks a fluid and dies. But instead you might see, you know, a a dead person being given fluid and becoming alive again. If you read the pictograms in the opposite direction, So they talk about not only how to structure this in such a way that makes it forbidding without making it look valuable and how to make materials that would last for that long and communicate for that long. And the idea is like, nobody is quite sure how to make human communication last longer than like a few thousand years like mm-hmm. it's just very fucking difficult and things like this book intrigue the shit out of me because just about any material that can last long enough um you know for for thousands of years without decaying is going to be valuable enough that people are going to try to reuse it in some way like uh, destroying the original message on it yeah. Yeah. smelting metal or mm-hmm. scraping parchment or what have you so this subject is one of those things i geek out about and it's so cool to me that like yeah they they came up with that solution like that book has continued to exist so yeah I'm uh, with yeah.
0: you. yeah it's just it's cool i like i like the history of it like it's just it's really fucking neat that something that old is still in circulation and somebody's gonna pay a fuck ton of money for it and oh yeah like I say, like, I'm calling it good now. reason. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, if if it's not going to a museum that will preserve it, it should go to a rich person who will preserve it. Like, that that's one thing where I'm not quite so leftist. Is like, no, nah. nah, oftentimes the rich people who collect art are the people who have the means to keep that art from like rotting in a basement somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of I, the entire city I live in is a unesco heritage site but they lack enough funding to maintain things so there are buildings that are literally heritage buildings that are crumbling because they can't afford to maintain them mm-hmm. um so meh. i think we uh, need to bring back bless oblige before we bring out torches and pitchforks
2: <laughs> that well i was gonna say that that fucker that keeps doing all the book burnings is probably gonna buy it because he says it doesn't agree with this king james version
1: oh jesus christ well <laughs> he can outbid them i guess <laughs>
2: I would love to see him lot of money the that way. It does belong yeah. in a museum.
0: We have run out of time for this episode. Before we go, though, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because y'all keep the show going. And we love you and appreciate your patronage yeah. ever so much. That would be... Two Skeptical Chaps. All hail, Peanut Butter. Crucify the like button. Leave a review on iTunes and rate the show five times a day towards Celia Gray. Ed
1: Harris. It's all shits and giggles until somebody sh- giggles and shits.
0: <laughs> John McCullough. Kevin Scheele. Ollie Olson. Savita Kuna. Sinead Duffy. Steve Kuno. Steven Andrus. Theodore Sellen, Tiffany Hudson. Doug Willoughby. Vanessa. Birdie. Corey Ebert. Don't be a Richard. Error 404, God Not Found. Mackenz Peterson. Jeremy Goodson.
1: Jonathan. Marvin Draken. I
0: don't know why I yelled it. I just felt like I needed oh. to yell a little bit during the show. Yeah. Gotta get that anger out. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, Martina Fern.
1: Quiet avocado, or I'll sick the up dog on him. <laughs>
0: nice. I love that one. It works out that way. <laughs> that guy. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Zeus9SO. Amber Krellin. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon, yay! Sarah Segovia. Tim Jacobson. And James. Thank you all very, very much. We really do appreciate it, more than you know. Yes. Uh If you yeah. would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode, and then you get all kinds of fun things. You'll get to hear Taylor's little aside That we will include as a clip from the cutting room floor as a Patreon bonus for this episode. Uh, You get to hear extended outtakes, bonus episodes every now and then. Fun stuff like that. A song at the end of the show. And you'll sleep better with the knowledge that you're helping us continue this mission of trying to counter the just dumbassery of all of the fucking Christian nationalists out there that are trying... To take us back to the fucking stone age with their bullshit. They're the bronze age, anyway. (laughs) I'm going to go do more work, which is exciting. Yay. I'm going to pee. I'm going to
1: knock out a few hours of work and, or sorry, sleep and then do (laughs) work myself.
0: (laughs) I love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I hope you sleep well and I will chat with you guys next week.
1: Love you all. Ciao.
0: Oh, what did I just do? I clicked on confirm without actually reading what I was confirming. <laughs> Damn it! And now the now the whole web page is hidden from me. Good job, Dan.
1: What have you done? That
2: I'm looking at right now. White evangelicals, <laughs> Protestants of color, Hispanic Protestants, and Latter Day Saints saints are the uh, third highest proponents of a. Uh, Evangelical oh. Yeah, you know when I say that word, <laughs> and the, not wet evangelicals.
0: The the yeah, white LDS saints. <laughs> yeah, keep it wholesome. The <laughs> that's what Mama said. All
1: right. <laughs> well, I don't want to encou- encounter wet evangelicals. I don't think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me <laughs> get a new thing going, and then we'll just jump right in.
1: Let me know when you're ready.
0: I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. Okay.
1: Sorry, I'm bouncing between, like, two different... I'm, I'm using my phone to try and cover these articles, and I'm bouncing between, like, the two different web pages trying to keep my, my shit straight for the articles <laughs> so I can bounce between the data points, and I'm like, fuck! Because <laughs> one of them, every time I, I go back to that page, it snaps back to the top. Oh, um, oh and so probably shows
0: you an ad. I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm,
1: I'm basically in, like, fuck it, we'll do it live.
2: Well, you mm-hmm. should be incentivized yeah. to have as many kids as possible if you can't afford them.
1: Yeah. Right, yes, also that. Also, we should just make IEDs IEDs also <laughs> IEDs, but IUDs um freely available uh, for anyone who wants one. So Where where
2: do we get our free IEDs?
1: <laughs> There's a snook in her snatch. All right. Um <laughs>